Good morning, friends. I'm back here in the corner, right over here. Don't know where I'm at. Hey, good to see you. Thank you for being here today. I tell you, every person is an encouragement to me that you made it a priority to be at this service. And you mean so much to me. In fact, my brother is here, Roger Harrison. He's married to Jackie and April, a good friend. Why don't you stand up for a second so they can see how beautiful you are. I am, okay? How handsome. There we go. All right. Let's thank them. (laughs) Thanks, guys. I just love them so much. And uh, Roger's 10 years older than I am, so he's 55. Is that right? That's what I thought. Yeah. Roger's always kept us laughing, and uh, uh, he's a jokester, there's no doubt about it, but also a man who loves uh, the Lord, and so great to have you guys here uh, this morning. Also, I got another special friend, Ed Epstein, he's sitting over here, I want to stand up for a moment, Ed. Ed is a very good friend of mine, and we got to know each other, oh, maybe 14 months ago. And he's a very, very wise man. I think we've met almost every week since then. Uh, and uh, he's been my personal coach. And he, God has just used him to transform my life. Isn't it great there are people out there that just have a special impression on your life? And it's so good to have you here today, buddy. Yeah, I love you. I love you, man. I love you. Ah, let's see. Well, we got my family up here. Oh, man, we got some other brothers. <laughs> hey, come on, some Tommy, just stand up and say hello. Love you, buddy. Let him see how good looking you are. There you go. That's my youngest, Tommy, okay? And then Carlos here is a good friend of mine, friend with Wes. I love you, buddy. I love you. <laughs> Uh, so many wonderful memories, and Ben, it's so good to have you, man. Good to see another one of Wesley's friends. Yeah, Brian didn't have any friends, so. <laughs> oh, okay, here's the video guy who just shot that video. Where's Brian anyway? Oh, what are you doing back there? Oh, I guess it's still loud, okay. Brian, come here, come here, buddy. And Katie, love you guys so much. Love you so much. Oh. Isn't it great to have family, huh? It's the richest and Brenna. Wesley's wife, good to see you, and my beautiful wife, good to see you, dearest. And last but not least, Lori's wonderful mother. I love you so much, Carolyn. Yeah, I love you so much. Oh, amen and amen. And uh, you might notice in the uh, the video, uh, she was in it as well as. Uh, my uh, father-in-law, Everett, and they started Awana here at Springbrook. Let's thank him for that, huh? Wow! You know, there's nothing more beautiful than family. And one of the things about being a pastor that I love so much about the church, everybody, (laughs) every family is a little dysfunctional in some way, right? And uh, some people just really have a tough time with their family. And so many people, they have held on to not moving from this area because of their family that's been here. 
because they've never experienced such relational joy and wisdom than the church family. And uh, it's just an incredible gift. That's why we want to tell other people about Jesus, so they can experience this type of family. All right. Well, let's get started. A radical step of faith. Uh, this is what they used to look like. <laughs> back in 1996, way, way back. And oh, Lord did a wonderful job taking care of all those kids. So I was talking to everybody and oh, so meaningful. Also, here's another pick from way, way back. This must have been the fall of 1996 when we got started at Lincoln Hills Elementary School, and I'm the spaceman there uh, with the glasses. And look at my tie. Isn't that Dan? You know, the impeccable dresser. Dan, tie your shoe. Dan, tuck your shirt in. Dan, move your tie. You know, I'd be more self-aware. But it goes way back, so it's probably not going to change. And so, uh, yeah, we got John Gervais who's gone to be uh, with the Lord, uh, Tony Lopez. Uh, why don't we have uh, Judy and Jerry Straley come out at this time, along with the Fugles. They're in the corner there, and they're going to speak to their experiences here. And the Heckenbergs are there, and the Augers, and wow, what a great time that was. Well, I brought some friends out here who've been with us a long, long time. And we have Ron and Rita Fugel, and tell us how you came to Springbrook. Well, at my credit union, I happened to mention that I, I was looking for a church, and one of the girls that worked there was a part of the startup of Springbrook, and um, she just bragged, you know, she just thought it was a great church. So we tried it, and we went back and forth from the Catholic church to here. And uh, as, as we heard more of Dan's sermon, it just brought life to, to the Bible. I mean, we became, uh, we, we got to know God more yeah, and more through yeah. relationships. So anyways, uh, this is home for us now. Yeah, Thank amen. you, Dan. Amen. Ronnie? Um, <clears throat> I followed my wife here. <laughs> but uh, no, it's really something to be at. Dan, that you, you led us to, our, to the Lord, and, uh, and I'll never forget Dan singing. Uh, he had a, Dan had to sing on stage yeah, at the grammar the school, and I always said, Dan, when he stopped singing, everybody started coming in. That's right, exactly. So That but, was the key element that yeah, needed to be changed. But, uh, no, I, I just love you and Laurie, and oh. we're just uh, thankful that we're here, and you're like a fixture. Uh, in our family, like an icon. Oh, no. <laughs> no. But, uh, Ron, and, Ron and Rita just have been such good friends. And, and Ron was my first assistant. I had my uh, office in my uh, downstairs area for, I don't know, six years or something like that. And so he would come and he would do errands uh, for me. And I can remember those days so wonderfully. And uh, it just, it's just cool when you... That, that's a cool thing, especially, I know it's hard these days to be at, a, you know, be in one area for a long time, but we've walked together with our kids growing up and all those different types of things, and that is beautiful fellowship, isn't it? Beautiful fellowship. Judy, tell us how you guys came to Springbrook. Well, we were attending Willow Creek in Barrington for about 14 years, and we were quite a few of those years in a small group, but when they disbanded, some went out of state, some went out of country. 
um, we felt so small in that church, and we were looking for something more intimate. So we went to the desk there and asked about an affiliate church, and they said Springbrook. So there, 23 years ago, we walked in the doors, and um, it was love at first sight. It was just, Dan is so transparent. He's not afraid to preach from the word on any topic. And we just, we just loved it from that moment on and how welcoming the church is and warm. Amen. Special memory. Um, in 2002, when my youngest daughter, Laura, was turned 20, she was not in a good relationship with God and Jesus. And um, she had asked me at Christmas time what I wanted for Christmas. And I says, come to church with us for Christmas Eve. Little did I know at that time that she planned on that being her last Christmas. Um, she w- didn't want to go on living. But she begged that God beforehand, please, please, I need a new life. Give me a new life. And at that time when she came to the service and heard Dan preach and he used the term new life, he knew, she knew that it was meant for her and she turned her life to God and to Christ as her Savior that night, and she's been on fire ever since. Amen. Isn't that great? Yeah. Gary. Well, when we first uh, started to the church, uh, it was in uh, the grade school, and one of the things that Dan has taught all of us and has developed a culture in that you always have a smile, you have a warm handshake, and if you're lucky, you get a hug. Now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when we got into the, uh, the high school, now, I, wait, I need to back up just one second. Before, when we were at the grade school, Dan's thing was that he wanted to know your name, and put your face with his name. So he always had this little recorder he'd walk around with. <laughs> and then, uh, and so the next time you came in, he remembered who you were, you know. So he wanted us in the greeting team to do the same thing. Well, some of us, like myself, just couldn't memorize everybody's face and name. And we were becoming larger. It was, when we started out, it was about 40 people, and it was, we had hundreds. And, uh, so what Dan did is he went and took pictures of all of us, anybody that came in the building, I think, from the janitor or whatever. <laughs> That's right. You, you know, know I took a picture, put their name on it, and gave us a packet about, uh, it must have been about a quarter inch thick, that had all these pictures and names in it. So we would be able to greet people by name in their face. And we just thank you so much. for. That. Oh, you are welcome. You are welcome. Thank you, friends. Let's thank them for uh, sharing. <sighs> those are the beautiful families that were from the foundation of Springbrook. And for those who've been around a while, that video was great. I mean, we saw so many leaders, so many people who are high-impact people, high-capacity volunteers who made such a difference in people's lives. In fact, I see Steve and Don Wood down here. Stand up for just a second here. These guys were in the very beginning uh, with us, and they're great friends, and thank them uh, for what they gave to Springbrook. Uh, (laughs) 
I was just singing the other day. I, I used to bring the kids over to Don's to get their hair cut, and then uh, Steve would trap me with political talk. And uh, <laughs> he doesn't have any opinions, really. Uh, no, oh, great memories, great, great memories. Well, I'm going to go back a little bit to Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith. Uh, I might say, because it lists all these different Old Testament characters who were highlighted because of their tremendous faith in God. We think about Noah. He's in the Hall of Faith. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. We talked about the ark down in Kentucky, uh, built to the measurements found in Scripture. And, and here Noah was, 600 years old. He had three sons who helped him out. And they built this ark, and, and there was no body of water around. People believe that, scholars believe there wasn't any rain. That the, the, the ground was irrigated by natural springs. And, and so here's this crazy guy building a boat, a huge boat. And I can imagine, of course, how the evil people in that day uh, mocked him in so many ways, but again, he had faith. Hebrews eleven six, and without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So, if you're a Christ follower, if you've experienced uh, uh, the forgiveness and the grace of God and He's forgiven you, and you've repented, and you believe in Him. You are part of the family of God. And what God wants us to be doing on a regular basis is putting our faith in Him. And that means that we realize that our life is out of control, and there's no way that we can manage it. So we submit to the Lordship of Christ. And we say, God, I'm going to have faith in you when I'm in a jam, when, when I need things, uh, when you, you want to work through me. I'm going to step out in faith, even though I don't have the confidence that it will happen like I would like to. I'm going to put my faith in you as small as a mustard seed. I'm going to depend upon you. And you see, this satisfies God. When you do this, you draw near to Him and believe that He exists. It's impossible to please God if you don't have faith. And it's hard to exhibit faith on a daily basis, but the more you grow, the stronger you become as a disciple, the more faith you're able to give, like Noah did, building this boat in the middle of nowhere. I mean, he, he had assurance of things he'd hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. He knew that God was going to build this boat. That is faith, and that's what we're seeking to do. And many people, of course, have asked a question, well, well Dan and Lori, what are you doing? Why, why are you leaving uh, Springbrook? Well, we talked this about, talked this about this last week. God is leading Dan and Lori to take a radical step of faith in Him. And that's the reason that we're choosing to move on the new journey that God has uh, for us. And it's as simple as that. God said, Dan, Lord, it's time to, 
It's time to move along here, and we're taking a radical step of faith in him. You say, well, why are you doing that? Well, let me go over it again. God is leading Dan and Lori to take a radical step of faith in him. Now, people ask me, well, how long have you been thinking about this? And, you know, I wasn't thinking for a long period of time, but when, I, when we made the decision, I looked back over the last several years and how God was teaching me about how life is changing, empty nesters, we talked about that last week, and, and where God wanted to be in ministry. And, and, and So God has, has spoken to Lori and I and has led us uh, to this step of faith. Another guy that's mentioned in Hebrews 11 is Abraham. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place where he was to receive an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. So, Abraham was called by God to go and begin a new nation in a new place, and he had no idea where he was going. We see this in Genesis 12:1. Now, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's quite a few promises, right? Well, now, if we study the life of Abraham... We'll see uh, that he started down in Ur, there on the right side, uh, where the blue line starts. And so he didn't know where he was going. And so he went up uh, into Haran, and then he went down into Israel and over to Egypt. Uh, now, it would have been helpful maybe for him to have this map before he left. But no, he didn't have any map. And Lori and I don't have a map. We know that God wants us to move forward. Uh, we're going to stay in this area for right now. I don't know what God has for us. I'd love to be in another ministry like Springbrook. Uh, but again, he's told us to go, and so we're obeying, and we're, we're trusting in him. And the elders, elders have been uh, kind enough to uh, give us some uh, funds to help us in this new transition uh, that we have in our lives. So there is the reason, again, and it's a radical step. Because I don't have another ministry to go to or another job to go to. (laughs) I've talked with individuals in the past, and they tell me that they quit their job. And I say, oh, what are you doing? Well, I don't have a job. I'm waiting to see what happens. And I just want to say, wait a second. That's stupid. Okay, you always get a job before you quit your other job, right? I mean, that's just kind of basic. That's how it works there. And here I find myself being stupid, right? And what what drives me to stupidity? Well, what drives me to stupidity is that I have faith in God, that I have this faith in God, that God, yes, it might not be the wisest thing to do, but you've called me to do it. And I want to I grow my faith in you. This is the most radical step of faith I've ever taken. And, and my question for you, can you think back to a radical step of faith that you've taken in your life in the last year, in the last five years? I mean, what was the most radical step of faith where you really went out on a limb with God and said, God, I don't know how this is going to work. And many times God has to, to force us into painful situations because we're not going to take that step on our own. 
So, so he does that for us, brings some type of health challenge or job loss or relationship problem. And that's when we take our radical step because we have no choice. That's how God builds our faith muscle as we continue to, to do that. And it's difficult, isn't it? And, and I always love the phrase, when you're trusting in God, He delivers power along the way. He doesn't show up in the beginning of a crisis or, or something like that and say, okay, here's all your power, this is what you need. No, it's just like manna, right? Coming down for the Israelites. It's day by day as you continue to take those faith steps, you experience His power, but you've got to take the step of faith before you experience the power. Well, I'd like to know the power is going to be there. Well, that's not faith. God created us. He created us for His pleasure. We're to glorify Him. Tell everyone how wonderful He is. And so the way that we please God on a daily basis is saying, God, I'm stepping out in faith. I'm forgiving somebody who's really hurt me. I'm apologizing maybe for something I did with my health, with my job, with my kids, Lord. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to trust in you. And again, you know how it goes. You know, you make that initial decision, and then you take it back, and it's all over the place. Well, friends, that's the, that's the journey of faith, and that pleases God so much because that's what He wants from us. He wants our heart more than anything. He wants to be the most important person in our lives. And He knows the challenges help us Identify that we need him as the main person in our lives. So without faith, it is impossible to please God. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. How does he reward you? So you take a step of faith and you're going, oh, no, what's going to happen here? I'm trusting in God. And what does God do? He gives you power along the way. It's like, oh, wow, God, that was really cool. I didn't expect that you were going to do that. That was totally out of the blue. Well, that's faith, right? And that's the reward. So as we walk day by day, taking these steps of faith that God is going to take care of us, even though when we think our life is falling apart in some way, he keeps on giving us grace. He keeps moving us along, and he rewards us along the way. But you must, you must have faith in him. So just re reflect, how much faith did you exercise in God this week? Can you, can you point to an illustration and say, yeah, I didn't know what was going to happen with that. I trusted God, and he provided, he rewarded me. You know, if you're Hey, the Christian life is just going to be monotonous unless you don't take steps of faith. And some of you guys are so, you know, oh, I've got to have my life this way and I have it all planned out. And You've cut God out of your life. You don't need God because you're trying to control everything. And it's bringing you all kinds of stress and unhealthy things, sinful things into your life. You just need to... Just take that step of faith and let him work and watch him surprise you. Huh? Anybody been surprised by God this week? Put up your hand. Testify to it. You've been surprised by God. Keep your, 
arm up so we can see it. You've been surprised by God. Keep it up. Keep it up. God has showed up in a way that you didn't know it was going to, but you were hoping to. Or how many in the last year, I mean, God has really, really done amazing things. How many in the last year? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I'm talking about really amazing here. I'm talking about a higher category here. But at the same time, that's okay. Uh, but, but I mean, look at these hands. So if you're sitting there thinking, I don't know what he's talking about, having faith in him, and you just talk to some of these people, well, tell me. Tell me about your radical faith. Tell me how God rewarded you. And you see, that's the key thing. That's why we're all here together, and we get together in small groups, and we get to know each other. Because I tell you, I, I was with my, my good friends. The seniors this past week, we had a movie uh, afternoon uh, together, and was able to visit one of their small groups, and oh, oh man, oh man, it was just awesome, because they have lived so many years, and they have taken many, so many steps of faith in God, and they're still taking steps of faith in God. It's tough to grow old, right? As you guys tell me, I, I can understand that, and, and yeah, but here are these people who are rejoicing and giving God all the glory, because they're taking steps of faith, and they're being rewarded. So... As you guys move into this transition, you need to trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Colossians 1.17. And Jesus is before all things. And in Jesus, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Jesus Christ is the head of a church, and it's so important that we be reminded of this, especially when we're going through this transition in terms of a pastoral leader, because again, I'm not the head of this church. I'm so glad that God put me on this assignment. Uh, but again, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. So when you start to have some uncertainty and kind of wonder what does the future hold, you need to pray to God, oh, Lord, take care of your local body of believers at Springbrook. Provide for us. And, and just the, the nature of a transition like this uh, causes uncertainty, like I said, and so it's an opportunity to say, God, I'm giving it to you. I'm going to trust in you because you are the head of the church. Uh, the, the church is the bride of Christ. Uh, oh, I tell you, when I was reading about Harvest Bible Chapel and oh, just some of the things that the pastor had done, I think of Willow, and it's kind of like, what's going on here? You know? And... and you know, I read certain things, and people go overboard, and, you know, it's just sick how people treat the church of Jesus Christ. Harvest Bible Chapel is uh, the church. There are many, 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 many members of the body of Christ down there. And, yes, we do have to deal with sin. We do have to take the disciplinary type of things and try to get people on the back, road back. But peop people love to tear the church apart, Right? everybody's criticizing the church. I mean, it's really just kind of a, a hobby for some people. 
uh, to criticize the church. And here's what I want to say to you. You be very careful what you say about the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. That's Jesus' bride. It's okay to discuss things, and, but, but, but when you, you relish it in some ways, I mean, just, ah, no, 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 no. No, no, no. You, you speak highly of the body of Christ. And if you don't have to say anything ne- negative, for example, about that situation, don't talk about it unless it's profitable in helping another person understand what's going on. You're speaking against the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. So just across the board, whenever you talk about the church, well, that church did this, and that church did this, and that church is like this. I'm talking to myself here now, okay? I better be careful what I say about the bride of Christ. Yeah, there are problems all over the place. I'm fully aware of that. But at the same time, That's the vehicle that God has given us to take the good news to the world. And we need to do everything that we can to build up the body of Christ instead of tear it down. Oh, it's a lot more fun tearing it down, isn't it? But it's wrong. Watch your attitude. Again, I'm addressing myself. Well, I was uh, greatly privileged uh, to be called as a pastor into the body of Christ uh, this is an L platform. Uh, I, I was on one of those down at Moody Bible Institute when I was studying there, and uh, I was preparing a lesson for some junior high kids who were at a Lutheran church. And so I'd you know, practice it out loud like I, I do. And it was just in a moment there on a Sunday morning as I was waiting for the L train that God said, Dan, I want you to be a pastor. I want you to preach the Word of God. And I grew up in a wonderful church like Springbrook, and I've been discipled, and so many people have poured into me, and my mother certainly was encouraging me to go into ministry. Um, and so, yeah, that was a call. That was a call on my life. And when we talk about going into ministry, especially full-time ministry, you need to have a call from God. Not that you need to hear some angels singing and trumpets going off, but you need a sense that, hey, God wants me to do this because, friends, the ministry is challenging like every career, but it's got its unique challenges because it's a spiritual war, okay? And that can get things really fired up. And every pastor uh, is going to suffer. Every pastor is going to be broken. I mean, look at Paul, right? I mean, he was a missionary and... He really had a tough life. And so you just accept that. So that's why it's important that a person has, has a call to be a pastor or whatever particular uh, position. So God gave me my call there. And just a quick overview here, 83, I was at uh, Moody and Trinity, theological education. I also was the associate at Bethany Baptist Church with Bernie Tannis in 1989. Uh, my wife and I founded a community church in Nina, Wisconsin. That was six years 1996, founded Springbrook Community Church, 24 years, and 2019. I never thought this would come. That totally surprised me. 2019 says, Dan, I've got a new assignment 
for you. Well, God, I'm not done with this one yet. You need to go. I kind of like this. You need to go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that, you know. I mean, it's a lot. I mean, I, I love to start churches. I'm an entrepreneur. I just love to get things growing and going. And and Dan said, I've got a new chapter for you, Dan. I've been pre- preparing you all this time for it. And yeah, it will be painful to leave your your incredible family and will cause them pain, but trust me. Trust me. Take that step of faith, Dan. Depend upon me. But God, I, I know, Dan. Just power along the way. Keep having faith in me every day. But God, what if I... Dan, Dan, I will honor you if you take this radical step of faith. Yeah. And, of course, we look back at Springbrook, Lake in the Hills Elementary, Jacobs High School, and Springbrook Community Church. Jesus Christ is the head of the universal church, all those who are in relationship with Christ, and the local church. And that's where you can find confidence, be praying. This is a time for prayer uh, when you're stepping into this type of transition. Uh, you are the members of the church. Romans 12, 4 and 5, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So, when you become a Christ follower, when you accept this free gift of salvation that God gives you, you are given a spiritual gift. You're given supernatural, you know, orientation, and you're able to help other people out. You're a member of the body of Christ. Christ is the head. Some of us are parts of a finger or a toe or part of the skin or a gallbladder, you know. Now, when I see people at Springbrook, when I see people in the store, and they used to attend Springbrook, I'm pretty bold with them. I say, yeah, how's it going, you know, and uh I say, are you going to church anywhere? See, I, I, I don't want them to come back to Springbrook necessarily. I mean, if they want to, that's great. But so many people leave the church. I tell you, at Harvest Bible Chapel, people are going to leave that church. Some are never going back. Some are never going back. And uh, that, that, that's not the way it should be. I just want people to be engaged in some church. If they say they're involved in the church, I just say, that is so cool. That's a great church, you know. Uh, but we're all members of the body, and we all need to be a part of something. And that's why it drives me crazy when these people say, well, in fact, I, I have a guy, a relative, <laughs> you know, they have church at home. And again, very godly people, okay? Uh, they have church at home, and they listen to a particular, you know, preacher on TV, and and that kind of thing, because they, they, they just think that church is not, uh, it's just not healthy. It doesn't help us. And friends, they're being fooled by Satan, okay? The church, the church is needed. It's a bride of Christ. And yeah, I, I, my heart goes out to all the pain people have experienced, 
tell me your story, tell me your story, tell me how they, they abused you or whatever, whatever, yeah, let's talk through it, let's process through it, but then you find a church, and don't be looking for any perfect church, because it don't exist, right? No doubt about that. So, here, I, I really want to encourage you in this way. So, when, when I'm leaving, okay, uh, yeah, it's funny because I'm, I'm just Dan Harrison, okay? I mean, what? <laughs> God's given me some gifts. But, but you know, I was, as I was studying about this and reflecting about it, you know, God has put me in a role here as chief shepherd, one might say. And, and I've been here a long time, 24 years. Usually it's like six years, three to six years. And, and so, therefore, um, I am the spiritual leader of the church. And you identify that me as a spiritual leader. You put trust in me. One woman who was uh, talking to me after the service, I look at you as a father figure. And that really is the idea of a spiritual leader, to be someone who's wise in the Lord and in the Word and, and again, gives stability to the church. I know some people have come back. Is he still there? I wish he would leave, you know. But God's kept me there. For, oh, it's true. Uh, God's kept me here for so long. It's beautiful. And when I, when I leave, it's just not Dan Harrison leaving. It's the shepherd leaving the sheep. Not about me. It's about the role that God has given me. And, and that can be very unnerving. And I really want to bring this out because you know, to whatever degree, uh, many of you are grieving. And you're saying, this can't be, you know, I, Look at the different levels of grief, you know, shock and denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. And certainly Lori and I are going to go through it. We are going through a time of grieving, of, you know, leaving our family here. Uh, but you're going to experience it as well. And uh, it, grieving is not a fun thing to go through, right? We don't want to go through grieving. We don't want to lose things that are precious to us. But God will guide us through through it. God will guide us through our grief. And it's so important to realize if you are feeling down, like, oh, why did this happen? And again, that spiritual leader has been taken out of your life. Um, it's so important to realize you are grieving. You are disoriented. That's what grieving is. You're disoriented with your world. And you know what they say, don't make any big decisions when you're disoriented, right? Uh, when, when there's high stress, whatever you do, don't make any big decisions because you're not totally grounded. And so my encouragement to you as you go through uh, this process is to think about this question. Why is Springbrook your church home? Why are you here today? If you said yes, God says that Springbrook is my church home, so you're a member of this beautiful body of Christ. All right, now, when we go through this fragile period and kind of this down period, some people say, well, I just want to leave. If Harrison's leaving, I'm leaving, I'm out the door, okay? And uh, please, no, 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 no. You need to grow in spiritual maturity if that's your attitude. Because, again, God didn't call you to a group that likes Dan Harrison. He called you to Jesus Christ's church, 
Jesus Christ's bride. And so if you say, Jesus called me to come to this church, I will say to you, has Jesus given you permission to leave? I mean, you were called here, right? You got involved here. And so just because I'm leaving, that means you, you, you can't leave unless God really confirms in your heart. And, and what I like to think of, you know, maybe some of you are guests today, and God bless you. <laughs> we're usually not doing this on Sunday mornings, but uh, it's, it's good for you to be here, for you to grow in terms of how you view churches. But the idea is, is that, you know, you know, how long have you been here? All right? Year, two years, three years. And, and again, this is, this is a maturity issue, okay? People say, well, I'm going to leave that church because I don't like it anymore, whatever. Dan's not there. Whoa, wait a second. So, I tell you, that's what happens in ministry sometimes. You know, our staff, incredible staff, incredible staff, you know, we'll just pour our lives into a particular person. I mean, time and energy, financial resources, because we really love them. They're going through a hard time. And then they leave. <laughs> you want to know what I want to say? Hey, listen. You went to that other church because of why? After we invested in your life, after we talked to you and loved you. And, and yeah, in fact, the more we invest in people, the more they're likely to leave. I don't get that. But it's, it's really God training us, right? Uh, making us more like Christ-like. It's kind of like, hey, hey, don't you think you should return the investment? It's true. It's true. Before you decide to leave Springbrook, you got to say, what has God done in my life at Springbrook? How, how has God helped me grow? How has God helped me understand love, the relationships he's given me? Because I really believe, just because I'm leaving, and for whatever reason that makes you upset, doesn't mean you can leave. You need to grow and say, I'm not going to go to church for what I can get. I'm going to go to church for what I can give. Now you look at what God has done through Springbrook, and I better stick around long enough so I can return the investment. But I don't want to stick around. Well, who cares if you want to stick around or not? We're not in this consumer culture. We're part of it, but let's not follow it. Don't follow it. This is an awesome church, and it will continue to be an awesome church. I'm just one guy. I mean, oh, I get, listen. I get way too much credit. I do. I really do. Oh, damn, wonderful church. This is, oh, damn. Usually they're coming to me saying those things when really they should be talking to a small group leader or children in the toddler section or whoever. <laughs> yeah. I'm not as good as I, you think I am because I've got great staff. I've got great leaders, you know, who are getting the job done day in and day out. And so if God has called you here and, and, and you have been invested in and you have grown, let's say you've been here a year and I've learned, Dan, so much from your teaching. Well, that's an investment we made in you. You decided to become a part of this church. So again, you think long and hard about leaving or just drifting, right? That's what Christians do. 
they drift. They drift away from the family of God. They think they can do it on their own, or they kind of jump from church to church. Well, I go to this church for this, and this church for this, and this church for this. Hey, um, hey, enjoy other churches, but be committed to one. Committed to one. You, you've got to lean in right now. This church is going through a transition, and there isn't natural momentum that takes you up during a transition. You got to hold it up, man. You got to be under it. You got to be committed and said, God has used this church in my life, and now I'm going to be there for it. I'm going to continue to invest in people. I'm going to show up. Again, it's the easiest thing, man, you can do. Get your families to church every Sunday. Every Sunday. I mean, if you're coming once a month, go twice a month, three, three times a month. <laughs> Or two times a month, three times a month. Show up! And I will just be totally frank with you. Our culture is teaching Christian parents that they have to have their kids involved in all type of extracurricular activities, and they crowd out the church. And for those of you who are parents, I just want to say unequivocally that if you want your children to have a passionate relationship with Christ 10 or 20 years from now, you've got to make the church number one. You need to be here on Sunday mornings. You need to be here with Iwana for that age. You need to be here for Roots for middle school. You need to be here for Thrive for teenagers. And, and you know, Start them early enough. There's, it's not a choice whether we want to go to church. It's not optional, really. I mean, what are thing, when you say something's optional in life, that's what they think it is. It's optional, right? But make a commitment. I tell you, I look at my sons, and I am so proud, and they're wives, and, and it's because we made church a priority. I have nothing against extracurricular activities, but the church should be number one. And I know it's not as exciting. I tell you, it's really fun to be involved with your kids in sports, right? Traveling different places. Hey, that's cool. But don't put it above the church. Because when you're, uh, our culture, in 10 years, who knows what our culture will look like. And your kids need to be rooted in the Word of God. And there's no guarantees here, but I tell you what, it's a principle. And the more you make that a principle and Live it out in your, your lives with your kids the better. Connect with people. Uh, connect by serving. Connect by giving sacrificially. You know, for some of you, a radical radical step of faith would be start tithing. Oh, don't be talking about the tithing. <laughs> we don't want to go there. You're crazy. 10% of my income. Yeah, that's what God says, you know. If you really want to give them the first fruits of your labor... And you see, a lot of people will not take the radical step of even giving, like increasing the 2% or 4% or, you know. Is that you? Well, I tell you, that's what Springbrook needs right now. Because there'll be a little bit of loss, you know. It's, it happens with churches. But you need to lean in and say, I am going to step out in faith. Because this is not Dan Harrison's church. It's not Pastor Rich's church. 
it's Jesus Christ's bride. And I make sure that she's provided for. And finally, important grace into others, my life verse. Paul writes, but he said to me about his thorn in the flesh, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. And uh, one thing God has taught me, I am a very weak man. I mean, I wish I had more confidence. I wish I'm closer to God. I mean, all, all these type of things, you know. And I'm weak. I look back at the last 24 years and what God has done through this ministry. And I tell you what, <laughs> it hasn't been me. It's been God unleashing his incredible power through me because I'm willing to say I'm weak, so God, you take it. Um, I've grown in that area, of course, and I'm sure there now. I mean, you, you, you feel weak. I can't be a Christian player. I, I can't make a difference. Oh, no, no, no. I don't have these talents. No, no, no. God wants to use you in a beautiful way. You just don't know what it is yet. You need to step out in faith and get power along the way. And when I am weak, then I'm strong. And as each received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. This is, again, my theme for my ministry. He's just pouring grace into other people's lives. Of course, you have the grace of salvation. You have different types of grace, but there's that daily type of grace. It's the idea of pouring God into a person's life, strengthening them. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Oniphorus, Paul writes, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. Friends, <laughs> the great thing about being part of the family of God is that we're able to pour grace into other people's lives. Refresh my spirit will... What condition was his spirit in when he wasn't refreshed? It was weary. You have a weary spirit. This, this morning you're just kind of, oh, I got I to go to church and get some encouragement, right? This is the best place. And that's why I went to great expense and work to provide you with a memory of myself. This looks like a very cheap, hefty plastic cup. I'm not sure what you'd use it for, but uh, listen, uh, this is made of a very special type of plastic. I'm not even going to go there. Okay, all right, so I didn't come up with something better. But this is what I'm giving you is to remember me by. So, you know, treat it nicely and put it somewhere nice, you know. But I want you to look at this, and I want you to think of Pastor Dan's life. And say, Pastor Dan, you know, talked about pouring on the grace. You need to pour grace onto people's lives. How do you do that? You pray. Every time you pray for someone, you're pouring grace into their lives. You encourage people. You listen to people in the atrium. My dad, he was not engaged in normal types of ministry. But I tell you what, every Sunday, an hour, he would just listen to people. He would just be there for people to, to share 
their pain. He was pouring grace in their lives. And, you know, I think about what should motivate me is I want to pour grace into people's lives. It doesn't matter if I'm the pastor of Springbrook or the pastor or whatever. I don't care what you're doing for a living. I don't care about how spiritually immature you are. You can pour God's grace into people's lives. Oh, and what greater joy is there? What greater joy is to see a smile on someone's face, to hear a thank you, to know that you refreshed their spirit. And, of course, we get into spiritual gifts. You've got to go to class with Pastor Rich, right? Because that gives you a very unique and uh, defined way that you can share grace with others. Like I have the gift of teaching. So I just love to teach. I love to pour grace into your lives. But you don't have to be the main teacher of the past, whatever. You just need to be someone who's ready to be used by God. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord. I love these people so much, Lord. They've been my family for so many years. And Lord, I I pray if I left a truth with them, it would be that Dan was weak. He allowed Jesus Christ to work through him. And he poured a lot of grace into people's lives. That's all, Lord. That's all. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen.